0: Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Gail Doby, who is the co-founder of Pearl Collective, an interior design business consultancy. Gail, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. Thanks so much for asking. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start.
1: Let's do it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Just a little bit about yourself and what you'd like to do for fun.
1: Oh. Well, um, actually, I love to read. I am a massive reader. And that's one of the things that I do a lot. And also travel is my uh, jam if I get a chance to do that. And and I do I do a lot of uh, travel for work, but I also do a lot more travel for fun. And I'm trying to get to the point where I'm getting more trips in throughout the year. So yeah, travel for sure.
0: Where's your uh, favorite place that you've been
1: Oh, gosh, probably my very favorite would have to be two locations. And it would be Sydney, Australia and New Zealand, two amazing spots that if you ever get the chance to go, you should go.
0: There we go. There we go. Well, tell us a little bit more about Pearl Collective. What does the day to day look like? What do you guys do exactly?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, uh, you know, Pearl Collective, we are in our third brand name. We just rebranded a couple of months ago. And a lot of the reason is because we are changing and growing and we're building a bigger team. So we needed to rebrand. But for the last 15 years plus, we have been doing coaching and consulting around business. We help uh, creatives make more money in their businesses. So we've been doing that for a long time. And you know there is no single day that's consistent i just literally got home yesterday from high point market which is a market for designers and retailers and people in the furniture business uh, manufacturers and it's about eighty thousand people it's in high point north carolina and it happens twice a year so we were there to speak and to meet with partners and just to meet clients as well so it's always a good time to go there but my day-to-day I spend time coaching and I also spend a lot of time reading and writing and um, working with our team to build out what our programs are and where we're going with our business. So we're in a big growth mode right now.
0: I gotcha. I've, uh, I've heard of the High Point market, furniture market. Have you? Yeah. Cause I went to school in Davidson, North Carolina, which is about okay. an hour and 15 minutes away. And I have a buddy who's from High Point Oh
1: my gosh.
0: A real estate broker up there. Okay. So yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff.
1: Yeah. You should buy a house there and have it renovated and rent it out on PRBO. <laughs> honestly.
0: Honestly yeah. honestly.
1: yeah. It would be a good thing for you to do.
0: <laughs> so do you guys attend the furniture market twice a year every year, or
1: we do. I've been going there for I don't know, eight or nine years at least. Yeah. So yeah, we're there twice a year with our
0: What other events do you typically speak at, or is that the main one?
1: Oh those two are for sure. I speak probably three to four times at that event every twice a year. and we go to Las Vegas market, sometimes Atlanta Market and there is another event called Design Edge and then I speak for some of the association meetings around the country. So uh, and sometimes some of the design centers. So I' I speak a lot of different places. I gotcha. be busy.
0: Yeah, I bet. All that travel and speaking and planning to speak and catering your speeches for sure. For sure. Well, awesome. Gail, tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going?
1: Well, this is a sickness I have. That's the only way I can describe it. But I have this uh, insatiable need to learn. And I also am highly driven by achievement. That's probably one of my biggest things that I have. And so I have no hesitation to jump out of bed and start working. And I love creating things, writing and doing all the things that I do and helping our clients. So motivation is not a problem for me.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. And so um, when it comes time to deploy the discipline, you don't really have a problem kicking into gear.
1: Oh, I, I have my problems with discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I have my guilty things. So, for example, I have no problem waking up early. I'm a really early waker upper. I don't necessarily just jump right out of bed. So, where I lack discipline is getting on the Peloton and doing my Peloton in the morning. But, um, you know, if it were not for that, I'm pretty disciplined in terms of work. I really pump out the work, that's easy.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. And so have you always been an entrepreneur and you just had multiple businesses or what got you into it?
1: You know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was growing up and I didn't really know what that meant. And I had my first degree is in finance and my second degree is in interior design. And that was that happened later. But um, I ended up just I was working for a Fortune 500 right out of college the first time. And I was in sales and marketing. And then I worked for a smaller company right after that. And then I ended up in consulting. Then I had all my friends hiring me to go do their houses all over the country. So I decided I should go back and get a design degree. And that's really what got me into doing what I'm doing now. And so um, after I went back for that degree, I decided to start my own business because I felt, okay, I've got a business background. And I can bring that into the business, but here's what I found out. Doesn't matter that you've got a business degree from college and a finance degree, it does not tell you how to run a business. So I started my first business out of my house and I did interior design for a long time, over 30 years. But basically what, um, what I found out was it doesn't teach you how to go out and do the marketing for a small company. If you're working for a big company like I did first, has nothing to do with that. And the other piece of really understanding that everything comes from the work that you put into it. And nobody's gonna give you a roadmap to do that, except that's why I do what I do now. So my first job or my first business was an interior design business. And I went through a lot of ups and downs with that. And I can certainly dig into that with you. But um, the things that I found out were that there are a lot of things they don't teach you in design school. They have one business class for designers, which is not enough. And then even having a four-year degree in in finance doesn't teach you how to run a business, hire people, do all the things that it takes to run a successful business. And then by the time I got to the uh, point of 2007, I decided that I should take the experience that I had, and I had a young woman that had started with me in 2005, and she was a designer, started with me as an intern, and she is now the co-founder of this company, and she and I have worked together for um, almost 18 years, and so we started this business because of the very fact that nobody taught people how to run the business of design. So that's how we ended up getting into this and of course there are a lot of learning experiences along the way
0: yeah yeah well tell us about uh, I'm curious I'm trying to figure out where I want to start because <laughs> it seems like there's a lot there. Tell us oh, about yeah. what um what are kind of the two to three key pillars of the business of design like what are the first couple things that people really need to know to get off the ground and start building it out?
1: Well, first of all, you have to be able to be willing to sell yourself because you have to sell yourself first to be able to get business. So yeah. that's number one. You, got to, you have to be willing to do that and you have to feel good about promoting yourself and not in a salesy way, but in a way that connects with people. So you have to build relationships. So that's number one. Number two, you need a plan. And it doesn't have to be a formal business plan, but at least a, like a one pager or back of the napkin, but know what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish and who your ideal client is. And then you know how to market a little bit better for that. But number uh, two and three, I would say would be have a financial model for how you're going to make money in the business, because at least if you do that, if you don't have a business plan have a financial model because that can drive the strategy of your business. So, and I think that's true of any business really. So to me, those are some of the things that I would tell people is if you start there, you're going to be successful. You don't have to be a great designer, but you have to be a great business person to be successful.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. And when you say financial model, you're talking like your cost to acquire the customer, what you're going to service them and how much they're going to pay and what your profit's going to be left over and that kind of whole process.
1: How are you going to build for it? And uh, what, are the, what are the things you have to do? What do you have to invest in to get clients? How much marketing? Um, how does that uh, work? And how much does that cost? And so when you figure out all the cost structure of your business and then what you want to make out of it, I tell people to do what I call a bottom-up budget so that they're figuring out what they want to earn first. And then from there, based on the benchmarks in the industry, we can help people build out a financial model. So they know what it's going to take, how much revenue do they need to have to be able to accomplish that goal and make that money?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever run across some business owners who their marketing plan is basically like some free organic growth where they're not really investing in marketing, but they're just trying to get traffic some free ways?
1: They try that. And I would say that a lot of the people in our industry are pretty new as far as digital marketing. They do Instagram because that of course is photography and that's something that makes sense to them. But, uh, and they'll spend money on photography because that's really where the biggest cost is marketing for designers. And then they rely on referrals and you can't just rely on referrals to grow a business. So in my opinion, it's really about how good are you at building relationships? And if you're good at building relationships and, and connecting the dots and figuring out the people who know the people that you want to serve, that's how you start really marketing in the business. So it's not just referrals.
0: Gotcha. So tell us a little bit about building those relationships and deploying that capital well when you're starting out marketing that interior design or the design business, creative Well, business.
1: As, like any business. Most people don't have a lot of capital to start with, so the first thing you want to do is do a good job of what you do and start doing business with your friends and family first if you need to and just get some projects underway, take some photographs and then build a website, those are the essentials in the business. So you start there and then afterwards you're just going to continue to invest in photography. But then you can add in digital marketing and all the different kinds of marketing. But there's a lot of grassroots work you can do that's free um, or fairly free. And you can go to networking events and meet people, be involved in the community. And that's true for almost any business. It's really about who you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And are you primarily dealing with photographers or are there other types of creatives as well?
1: Well, I've worked with interior designers and architects and lighting designers, landscape nice, designers, nice. and I think the most humorous one is I tend to work with accounting people of all things. It's like the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. But, um, I, I love it because I have a the financial background too, so I can speak to them really well about how to build a team and how to be a leader and how to plan strategically to grow a business. So That's kind of, uh, to me, it's all very similar. And it just happens that I do mostly creatives.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. So give a creative 10,000 bucks. Where do they spend it to get the best return for their business?
1: Well, especially in their early years, I'd say a good photographer, as much as they can afford, and then attending a lot of events where they can connect with people who can refer business.
0: I got you. And that comes to the selling yourself.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I see. I see. I see. And do you ever have to pay for any of these events or are these speaking gigs kind of like you either get paid to speak or it's free?
1: Well, you can do uh, workshops. You can maybe coordinate with other people, for example, for a designer it could be in a kitchen and bath showroom and do some sort of an event. And a lot of the people in the industry are willing to underwrite the cost of food and um, drinks and things like that to have people come in. So, things like that can be a really great way to market.
0: I got you. I got you. Okay. It's making sense now. Making sense yeah. now. Well, tell us about some of the adversity that you were hitting uh, <laughs> when you were getting your business up and going and then what you would go back and tell yourself.
1: How many times have I gone through adversity? Well, I'll share, I can share a couple of stories. I'll make them as short as I can. So the first one was in my interior design business, and that was back in around, um, well, probably our worst (laughs) time in the business was at 9-11. So at this point, we were in a beautiful office. We had um, seven employees, and it was a situation where when 9-11 happened, the terrorist hitting the the trade center and all of that was, it just hit all of us so hard. And you, you look young enough that, were you around then? (laughs) You were probably a baby. I
0: was two years (laughs)
2: old.
1: Ah, there you go. So anyway, for those of us that were running businesses at that time, it was really devastating. And what happened was the phones quit ringing. A lot of my clients decided to stop their work. They just said, I can't, I can't do this because I'm emotionally upset about what happened and the lives that were lost. And I feel guilty spending money on myself and my home. Mm-hmm. So we had to um, get out of our lease and we moved in with an architect and I let go um, all but three people. Well, all but two people <laughs> except for me. So it was three of us. And I had to basically restart my business and figure out how to remarket again and find new projects so I I did what I needed to do but within a couple of years my key person that was on my team who was my designer she'd been with me six years decided to go into business for herself and my niece who was doing bookkeeping for me decided she was going to go do something else so all of a sudden I was I said, okay, I'm just going to move home and I'm going to start all over. So I got to the point where I was working 36 hours straight, literally drinking coffee all night. And I said, this is ridiculous. I cannot do this. So I had to hire again. So I rebuilt the company. And that was the first really huge challenge that I had to deal with. And that was devastating. So the second one was after I started this business, So we started, just imagine this, March 8, 2008. You're a little bit older by then. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we decided to start the business. And our first month of revenue was in October of that year. In October of 2008, for those of you who don't know this, was when the recession started. The whole housing market collapsed. Everything was a disaster. 40% of designers went out of business. And all of a sudden I'm sitting here saying, huh, $86,000 of business in one month. And we had to share that with a partner. So we got half of that and that had to tide us over for a year. And so we're sitting here going, oh my God, how are we going to stay in business? So we were fingernails hanging on for about four to five years before we started to figure out exactly what to do. Because switching into a different industry, you better darn well know what you're getting into. But then again, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, so I jumped in without really thinking it through all the way. So I made every classic mistake that you could make. Didn't have the business plan, didn't have the financial model. So why do you think I talk about that now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I've learned my lesson. And so I learned the hard way. And so I had to kind of hang on and so we've gone through a couple of really interesting periods. And of course, now we're going through yet another interesting period. And then COVID. Who knew that we were gonna have COVID? Yeah. Except a friend of mine knew that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, how did so, <laughs>
1: so, uh he he is in a he's so interesting. He can figure stuff out. And so in December, prior to COVID really hitting hard. He said uh, he was starting to notice what was happening, and he reads a lot of really interesting things mm-hmm. and keeps mm-hmm. track of things economically. And he had actually had SARS before, so he it was very similar to COVID. And by February of 2020, we brought a whole bunch of our clients to his office to show them his operations. And during one of the meetings, he said to me, you do realize that the U.S. is going to shut down can you imagine this February, 2020, nothing has shut down yet. And it was not widespread. And he said, it could be even a global situation where it shuts down. And I looked at him like he had three heads. I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, I'm serious. He said, "Um, you need to plan for this. And I said, well, what have you done to plan? He said, well, I have bought laptops for all my employees. I have um, worked out any of the processes we need to do to have people work from home. I have decided who I'm going to cut on my team. And I have looked at all of our expenses and we have cut the expenses already that we need to cut. And sure enough, he absolutely was dead on. And uh, the next month I was in New York right during the time when Oof. the whole city shut down, including Broadway, including all the restaurants, including the everything, it, museums, you name it. And we barely got out of New York before we ended up having to stay there for an extended period. And of course, that was the hot spot of yeah. COVID. So we're there right in New York City in the middle of all of that. So yeah, we've been through a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For yeah. sure. Well, awesome. So when you were, um, you've learned these lessons, you learned the financial modeling, mm-hmm. and you just learned how to basically build a company because you've had to do it two or three times now.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk, you're talking to newbies in the business on the day to day. What are like the mindset um, shifts that you see them needing to make that you had to make?
1: That is an awesome question. Well, first of all, most of them have imposter syndrome and they have no clue that they have to learn how to sell and they feel very uncomfortable about that. So they have to overcome those two things to be able to run a business. And the other thing that I would say, which is crucial is that especially for creatives, whoever is listening to this, that's in a creative industry, that um, just because you're creative doesn't mean you can run a business. If you can run a business, your best thing that you can shift to is to think that you are the CEO of a business that happens to do something creative. And if you can make that one shift in mindset and realize that you need business skills to run the business, then you can be successful. But only if you make that shift.
2: Mm.
0: I love it. Well, awesome. Let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals. Now, tell us about your vision for your life and your company.
1: Well, I, since I'm in the last third, I am at that point in my life where I'm starting to think about what the job is that I want to be doing. And I love working. I love all the things that I do. But what I do want is to have a little bit more balance in my life in terms of having more fun and having more time to do some of the things I enjoy. So what I'm doing is I'm working very hard to build my company and build a team so that, I can be extremely flexible. So one of the things that I've done in the last two years is I've taken a six-week sabbatical at the end of the year. And next year, I'll be taking 12 weeks off. So I'll take six for a sabbatical, and then I'll have three other times that I'll take two weeks at a time. So that will allow me to have some more flexibility to do some of the things, the travel, some of the things that I want to do. So I think for me, it's about learning how to set boundaries around things and also to put priorities first, because you have to look at your personal priorities. So for example, yesterday, I was flying home from um, from North Carolina, and I was sitting next to this man who is about my age, and he was talking about the fact that his wife is setting herself up to work herself out of her job, because she's a partner in his law firm. And um, he said that his kids are trying to talk him into retiring. And so he's been, they gave him a book to read. And I finally, I just looked at him and I said, well, it doesn't sound like you're ready yet to do that. He said, no, not really. He said, "My, I don't really want to do it. I really like what I'm doing. I said, well, then why don't you think about doing a sabbatical? He said, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So we'll start there. That's a good try. And then you can try it out for six weeks and see how does that feel to take some time that is truly dedicated to whatever you want to do. So for me, I end up reading and thinking and writing and doing things like that. And for him, he might go spend time with his grandkids. So whatever it is, just make sure that you're designing your life around your priorities first. And then you schedule that first and then schedule your your work around that. Hmm. not the other way around, which is like, he looked at me and he said, Oh my God, I'm so glad you sat here. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. He said, that is flipping the thought about how you manage your life, which is usually around what our work schedule is. So do it the other way and your life can be whatever you want right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so when you're thinking about replacing yourself in your business, what are the, um, what are the steps to like fully replacing yourself so you can take 12 weeks, off? like 12 weeks is three months. That's like a whole quarter, you know? Yeah. So how do you replace yourself such that you can do that? What are the hiring tips? What are the systems and processes you have to build? Oh, et
1: wow. It's so much. So the first time I came to my team and I said I was taking a sabbatical, they had heart failure. <laughs> and uh, after, and I told them a year ahead that I was going to take sabbatical and they know what my time frame is for exit out of the business and not, it's exit from owning the business. I'm happy to work in the business later, but I would rather sell it to someone else who will take it to the next level. And so I told them a year in advance that I was going to take this time off. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, seriously, you guys have to get ready for this because I am taking this time off. So let's talk about what it is you have to pick up that I normally do. And it was a really eye-opening experience for them. How much I do for the business, they have no clue about. Mm. So um, what you need to do is have a job description for yourself that has all the tasks and the roles that you're currently doing. And what you do is you start working on the things that take the most time that you like the least, and you start working toward who can take that off of my plate. And then you start working on systems, processes, and checklists for that, and start teaching and mentoring people to take those things off of your plate. So the same thing applies whether you're doing a sabbatical for six weeks, or you're going to get yourself in an exit position for your business, which takes five to 10 years to do well. And so you're looking at that and you slowly work all these things off of your plate until you're only doing what you're really gifted at doing. And then you're going to have to look for somebody who is unique, like you are, and that has some skills that you can turn into a position that can take part of what you're doing. So it may be that you can't hire one person to take your job, but you might be able to hire several people to take certain parts of your role and do those well so that's what I've done is I have offloaded certain tasks to certain people that have a unique skill set that I also have
0: Hmm. I like it um do you know who Alex and Layla Hormozy are I do yeah I I think I heard Layla talking one time she was like yeah I need like six people to replace Alex in the business
1: Well, and that's true. And one person is really great at sales and he's also good at finance.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I have been teaching him to do some of the things that I do because I've created a lot of products and tools. And so right now what I'm doing is I'm working on a plan that's going to be a five-year plan for our business, for developing content and developing our coaching team and all of that. So I've got all of this in the works right now. So it's a big plan. And then I'll break it down into the pieces and then we'll put those into project plans in Asana and start working toward getting those things set up so that the company is ready for me to exit.
0: Mm. And what's your target exit price? Do you have Mm. one?
1: Oh, a target exit price? Uh, Five million.
0: Five million. There Mm we go. Yep. There we go. And do you have a, you have a date?
1: Uh, Five years.
0: Five years from today, or was it like five years, two years ago, that type of
1: vibe? five years, about six months ago.
0: I got you. I got you.
1: So i meant I have four and a half years to complete that.
0: There we go. There we yeah. go. Exit at five, and then you said you'll still kind of work in the business, but you won't um, kind of be the owner.
1: That would be my goal. Yes. And I do have somebody interested in buying. I've had a few people I've been talking to over the years. So that's the other thing I would say is always be looking for a buyer for your business. Always.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like I always look for people to hire. And uh, I have to be careful with this because what happens is I decide, you know, I really need to hire a person that can do these things. And as soon as I say that, that person shows up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have to be really careful because I can... I seem to manifest those people and they show up at the right time. So I have an amazing team, really amazing team.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And so when you exit, are you planning to go all cash? Will you retain some equity and be a consultant? Will you sell or finance? Like, do you know what the, your ideal packaging is?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would prefer to cash out. That would be my preference just because it's less risky but I can't guarantee that that ha- will happen. I would only owner finance if I really knew that person and the person that's looking at buying really, I probably would do it for them. I gotcha.
0: I gotcha. There we go. What well, awesome. Any other, so right now we have like a bit more balance in terms of having fun and doing more mm-hmm. leisure things that you enjoy exit at 5 million, in four and a half years. What other dreams and goals do you have?
1: Well, I think that, of course, one of the things that i mentioned earlier is, is I've been writing. I've written one book, and I have two more at least in my plan. And uh, one of those I'll be working on. I've started working on the the outline, and I'm starting to tell people <laughs> that I'm writing yes. the second book. Because once you say that, you're committing yourself to the future. Uh-huh. And so for me, that's the first step in getting yourself into the mode of thinking about it. But I've been so busy because I've also been, again, like I said, I love to learn. So I'm going through a, a nine-month, eight-month speaking class. And that's to learn how to do really great keynotes. And one of the teachers is also a teacher that is works with people on, she's done ghostwriting, and she teaches classes on how to write a must-read book. So um, one of your questions was, who would I want to work with? And um, that would be the person I'd want to work with is with AJ to be able to write an even better second book. So I'm looking to improve on my writing skills and uh, complete those two books. So those are two big things I have to work on.
0: I gotcha. And what was your first book?
1: Um, My first one is called Business Breakthrough, and it's on Amazon.
0: Gotcha, 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 gotcha. And the next two, will they also be about business or?
1: They will. They will. And they're going to be about, the next one is going to be um, also about kind of the new stage of business. So the first one is for people who are starting out. The next one is for people who are starting to grow and starting to figure out how to build a team. And the third one will be for people who are wanting to scale their business and take it up to a really high level.
0: Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we kind of got your skills that you want to improve. And that was our next question. I got writing skills and speaking skills. Any others right. that you want to put on there?
1: Well, I think that those are probably the two key ones. And, um, but I would also add in that mentoring is essential for getting yourself ready for exit and also for building a team. So I would say that's a skill that I will continue to work on that in training. And the other one is on boundaries, because that skill is one that I tend to have less boundaries around my personal time. I put a lot into the business. So learning how to balance that a little bit better would be a a good skill to develop.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Dang, I was going to ask a question about kind of the mentoring Mm -hmm. and delegating, but I'm I'm blanking on it. <laughs> I'm forgetting <laughs> what it was. I had it right there at the tip of my uh, tongue. Uh, it'll come back. Yeah, it'll come back. We'll move on. What are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals?
1: Well, I think that one thing is that we all need to be conscious of our health, our mental health, our physical health. And I have been working on that and I want to work on that even more. So discipline around that and exercise would be the most important thing I could do because if you're not healthy, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah, It really doesn't. So you've got to be healthy first.
0: I gotcha. I was going to say with delegating, the question was, it did come back. Yes. Good. Um, do you, is it weird like working less because you delegated so well? No,
1: <laughs> no. Well, it actually is bad. Here's why it's bad. <laughs> bad in a good way so what happens is once you start delegating all the stuff that really shouldn't be on your plate because it's not your zone of genius Mm -hmm. then you start finding other things to fill that slot and to me it's a beautiful double-edged sword of then you have time to think and thinking is the most underdone and underrated thing that we all need to be doing more of so if we take the time to think about what our challenges are, we can usually figure out what we need to be doing. And so what happens is in this process, which I do this frequently throughout the year, I'll sit down, open up my computer, and I'll start typing. And I'll just, write now, what's my current challenge right now? And what are the issues? Why is this happening? What is the root cause of this? And then I start diving in and I look at what has to change to fix this problem at the root. And so that leads me to lots of new projects, like this one I was talking about, that three to five year vision. That is a huge project right now. It's a 400 line spreadsheet with uh, like five columns of things that we need to divide into the different departments and the different things that we need to do, including content development and all that, so that I can prepare the company for the next level. So that was just something that just came out of one of those deep thinking sessions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, thinking it's, it's also a skill, you know, to be able to like clearly and focused thinking takes, takes effort.
1: It does take effort. And some people, I I love this story. This is one of my clients that I saw her a few days ago and we had a retreat for one of our groups, our mastermind groups. And it was the very first one. And I said to the whole group, I said, one of the most important things you can schedule is thinking time. You need at least two hours a week, unblocked. Nobody can bother you. You cannot talk to anybody. You just need to think. And she said, what am I supposed to be thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> cute little North Carolina accent. Yeah. little tiny, itty-bitty person and just as cute as she could be. And I said, well, you're thinking about your business. So you're thinking about it. The, the business. And you're thinking about what you can do better. And she said, Oh, I get it. So now, of course, she understands 100%. And, um, and she does that. Yeah. But a lot of people don't take that time. They do not schedule that into their weeks. And it's absolutely vital in order for you to grow your business and to solve problems is to take time to think about the business.
0: Yeah, like, some small changes in the strategy plays after a deep thinking sesh can produce a lot of results on the bottom line. If you do it well. Exactly. Awesome. Well, what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true?
1: Ah, Well, I think it goes back to discipline. That would be the thing. I don't have any issues at work, but I do personally. So I need to work on that. And uh, that's really a hard one for me
0: why do you think you have discipline issues personally, but not at work? What is going on in your head? Because I feel like a lot of people more have the discipline issues at work. And then personally, they probably also have discipline issues. (laughs) But uh, For you, why do you think you can't translate that discipline?
1: I think it's because I get so wrapped up in the vision that I have, and the dream that I have, and the things that I want to accomplish. And I'm like I said, I was very achievement oriented, so for me, it's easy to be disciplined about that.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: for personal, you can put that off. Sometimes you put yourself last, and the yeah. reality is, we a lot of us put ourselves last. Yeah, and we have to, if we were to switch that, and really think about ourselves a little bit more on the front end, it would probably be better overall. Because the reason why is I think um, women are guilty of this. We are very much people pleasers, we want to take care of other people, we want to help other people, nurture other people. So we tend to put other people first. And it's really hard, you feel selfish if you do things for yourself. So I think those are some of the things that keep me from being as disciplined as I should be, probably.
0: I gotcha. And how do you think you could improve your chances of success with the discipline? Because yes, there's the making a choice in the moment, but also they're setting up accountability systems around you to help facilitate that choice. So how do you think you can set yourself up better on the personal side of things?
1: Well, I go through cycles where I do have accountability partners from time to time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that I just have to be more willing to commit to that and just stick with it because there's another piece of being an entrepreneur. We've got a jillion ideas we are going to consistently come up with ideas so we'll fill our plate with so many things and then all of a sudden we run out of time for other things so we I think we have to learn how to set boundaries and be focused and really look at the outcomes we're trying to get so that we are really making the decision and sticking with it and being true to that because if we don't do that Um, Can we trust ourselves? And that's an issue that we all need to think about. Do we trust ourselves to do the things for ourselves that we need to?
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm trying to think about what, um, like what systems you could set up to help enforce those boundaries, because you're right, it's like, it does have to be a personal choice. But it's also hard to eat junk food if there's no junk food in the house. And so it's like, what systems could you set up in your workplace? Like, I'm like, if your computer could lock at 5 p.m. and you mm-hmm. can't do any more work on your computer, that could be, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I could do that or not.
2: But <laughs>
1: <laughs> that Maybe would be something to lock it up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Or like, I think Brandon Turner, he was like, he had trouble with his phone a lot. And so what he said is, he had his assistant take his phone and put it in a safe that only she knew the code to. And he got access to it one hour a day. And during that hour, his assistant would unlock the uh, safe, give him his phone, and then she would take it back after that hour. Something like that.
1: Well, for me, I, I know that when I was working out um, on a consistent basis with a personal trainer, if, if I'm investing in something, I'm going, I'm going to do that because I don't mm. want to waste the money. So having somebody like that, that you're accountable to, that you're paying, that tends to make you a little more accountable. And I think the other thing is not wanting to disappoint other people. But for example, in terms of just trying to lose weight, I decided about, and this is kind of funny, about 15 months ago, I told my husband, I said, I'm done cooking. I've cooked enough. I'm done. I really don't want to take the time. So I signed up for a meal service that gets delivered every Tuesday and it's all pre-cooked. Yeah. You warm it up for two and a half minutes and you're done. And that made a huge difference. And he's <laughs> he's lost a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> it's never fair. The guys lose more weight than we do. Yeah, but, um, but we switched over to that. And that was one of the things I put in place. So I keep looking for what is one thing I can do that will make it easier for me to do that. And the other thing is, and this is in a book called Tiny Habits, and it talks about linking something that you're currently doing with something that you want to start doing. Yeah. So it's just really making a decision, what tiny habit am I going to uh, bolt on to something I'm already doing?
0: For sure. For sure. Well, there we go. Sounds like you got a good head on your shoulders when it comes to getting that discipline personally
1: uh,
0: yeah, yeah yeah so are you going to go pay a personal trainer again
1: well i actually have a i bought this tunnel machine so it's downstairs i just need to go down i just need to set my alarm get up at five like i planned on go sit on my peloton and then use the tunnel which is a weight machine so i have all the tools at my fingertips i just need to use them
0: yeah yeah i got gotcha. you There we go. Well, we already know the person you'd want to meet, AJ, right? Right. Great. So we'll move right on past that question. We're going to jump into our thriving three. What's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick
1: one. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I actually, I'll answer two. I'm going to answer the movie. I like The Usual Suspects because it had a twist and turn in it. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Kevin Spacey. Oh, my gosh. Such a character. You've got to see that. It's really, really good. And then my favorite book of this year is called Unreasonable Hospitality. Ooh, I've heard of that book. It is so good. I have been telling all my clients, you've got to read this book. And I hear them talking about it and they're buying it for their team members. And they're thinking about the client experience, which is so important this year. I think, in all years, but it's becoming more and more important. And that's what you need to do is have an amazing client experience in your business so that your, your clients are excited about doing business with you and they come back and they repeat and they stay with you. And they also refer you to other people. So it's a great book, highly recommend it.
0: I love it. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself?
1: Oh, I love massage. I'm so lucky. I have a neighbor two doors down that does massage and, uh, she's in Brazil right now. So (laughs) desperate. I wish she would come home, but she is just amazing. So uh, I love massage.
0: And what is one action step? This is a a really simple question for you actually, because you're such a focused person. Uh, one action step you can take right now or continue to take to meet and work with AJ.
1: Well, actually I could sign up for her class because she has a class coming up in September and I'm just trying to decide if I have the capacity in the fall to do that class. But it it should be a really good class. She's amazing. I love her book. So anybody that wants to write a book, I recommend it. It's um, write a must read.
0: Mm. There we go. And all right, on to the final series of questions. Now these Here. can get a bit personal. So if you don't want to answer any of them, You can say, I pass, and we'll let you pass. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any?
1: Well, I would say this is not just a limiting belief. It's a reality, and it's denial of the reality, which is that we have cycles in in the economy. And so I shared with you about the things that I went through in my other businesses, And so in this particular situation, I would say that you have to know that the economic cycles are going to come every five to seven years. Who knew about COVID? So we had that, and that triggered a lot of what's going on right now. But there were other things causing that. So I would say that my limiting belief is that um, it might prevent me from hitting my exit target number. That's my limiting belief because I don't know how long this is going to go on and how deeply it's going to affect my business in the next one to two years.
0: Mm, so that the, the the cycles might prevent you from hitting that exit number.
1: Yes, which I, okay. I don't want that to happen. So I'm trying to figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen to me.
0: And where does that belief come from?
1: Well, I would have to say reality. And I, I think that I started realizing probably three or four years ago, I was starting to see those cycles and I've been on the planet for a while. So I've seen these cycles over the course of my lifetime. And the reality is we need to face reality. (laughs) This is the case. And so you've got to have a plan to deal with that. And I think that's where as an entrepreneur, it's easy to get caught up into the positive thinking realm, but you have to be a realist as well. So I'd say that.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, This question may have no merit, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever heard that quote that um, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world, the unreasonable man adapts the world to himself, and so all progress is contingent on the unreasonable man?
1: Absolutely.
0: And so I guess I'm going to push back a little bit here and say, what level of action Would you have to do in your business to make it unreasonable for you to not hit that target exit in four and a half years? What would have to change?
1: Well, I think that's that plan I've been working on. And that just kind of popped up two weeks ago. And I had a week where we have what we call a production week where I don't have meetings. Mm -hmm. And I sat down for about four days and spent a lot of time thinking about the massive action we could take to disrupt our industry. And so that's what I'm working on and is what are the things I can do to disrupt our industry and also um, leapfrog way beyond where our competitors could possibly go. I got you. That's my goal.
0: So even though you're grounded in reality, you're not necessarily accepting it. You're just aware of the
1: reality. Oh, like my friend who said um, that COVID was going to be a real deal. You have to look at the reality and accept the reality, but plan for and work hard for what you can do to take it to another level. Think about how you can 10X it, not just two X that are growing incrementally. You have to look at how do you do that 10X? How do you take it to that next level? How do you overcome what could be competitive pressures? Because all of a sudden after 15 years in the business, there are probably 30 coaches that have popped into our industry. And so they're competing with us. And I look at it and say, how can we be so good that we're undeniable? So if you're undeniable, it doesn't matter what the economy is, because there will still be business if you're undeniable at the top of your game. So that's what I'm working on.
0: There we go. Well, maybe the answer to this question is also very simple for you. But do you have any limiting actions that reinforce the limiting belief?
1: Oh. Now, that's an interesting thought. Um, I would say that I was, um, hmm, that is such a tough question for me. And I would say the reason it's a tough one is that I'm doing speaking, but I have to do more speaking, which is why I'm also trying to take it to another level of my speaking uh, skill. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that would be it. I gotcha. Maybe just not, feeling like I'm quite where I need to be and, but I'm working on it. So I, I know that whatever I'm not good at doing, I need to figure out what I need to do to get better at it. And so I think that that's really the goal is trying to find ways to be better in the things that are going to take you to the next level in your life and your business.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. We only got one last question for you because you just went ahead and answered the other one. So, okay. What's your favorite belief about yourself?
1: Oh, favorite belief about myself? I think I would probably say that I believe that I can overcome almost anything if I have to. Uh, Life has not always been easy, there have been challenges throughout my life. But if I am faced with something that's difficult and challenging, um, that's probably when I'm my best.
0: Yeah. Pressure makes diamonds. It does. (laughs) does. (laughs) Well, awesome. Gail, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off?
1: Well, I think what you're doing is great. And I love the fact that you're asking these hard questions and I hope you're getting the kinds of interviews that you need to help other people, because to me, there is so much negative self-belief out there and other people need to know that there are things they can do to overcome those negative self-beliefs and go for their dreams. So I think what you're doing is great. And I just give you big props.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I, um, I love helping people out, you know, so it's always a good time.
1: Awesome. Well,
2: Well, cool.
0: Uh, if people wanted to find more out about you, where would they go?
1: they can go to thepearlcollective.com.
0: Awesome. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Gail had to say, loved her energy, go ahead and check out thepearlcollective.com. It will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.